Section 13, Volume 3 of The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, translated by Richard Burton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For further information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 3, Section 13. When it was the one hundred and forty-fifth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when Nujat al-Zaman heard these words from the Badawi, the light was changed in her eyes to night, and she rose, and drawing the sword, smote Hamad the Arab between the shoulder-blades, so that the point issued from the apple of his throat. And when all present asked her, why hast thou made haste to slay him? She answered, Praised be Allah, who hath granted me in my life-tide to avenge myself with mine own hand. And she bade the slaves drag the body out by the feet, and cast it to the dogs. Thereupon they turned to the two prisoners who remained of the three, and one of them was a black slave, so they said to him, What is thy name, fellow? Tell us the truth of thy case. He replied, as for me, my name is Al-Razban, and acquainted them what had passed between himself and Queen Abriza, daughter of King Hardub, Lord of Greece, and how he had slain her and fled. Hardly had the negro made an end of his story, when King Rumzan struck off his head with a scimitar, saying, Praise to Allah who gave me life! I have avenged my mother with my own hand. Then he repeated to them what his nurse, Marjana, had told him of this same slave, whose name was Al-Razban. After which they turned to the third prisoner. Now this was the very camel-driver, whom the people of the holy city Jerusalem hired to carry Zaw al-Makan, and lodge him in the hospital at Damascus of Syria. But he threw him down on the ashes midden, and went his way. And they said to him, Acquaint us with thy case, and tell the truth. So he related to them all that had happened to him with Sultan Zaw al-Makan, how he had been carried from the holy city at the time when he was sick, till they made Damascus, and he had been thrown into the hospital, how also the Jerusalem folk had paid the camelia money to transport the stranger to Damascus, and he had taken it, and fled after casting his charge upon the midden, by the side of the ash-heap of the hammam. But when he ended his words, Sultan Kanmakam took his sword forthright, and cut off his head, saying, Praised be Allah, who hath given me life, that I might requite this traitor what he did with my father, for I have heard this very story from King Zaw al-Makan himself. Then the king said each to other, it remaineth only for us to wreak our revenge upon the old woman Shawahi, eclept Zat Adawahi, because she is the prime cause of all these calamities, and cast us into adversity on this wise. Who will deliver her into our hands, that we may avenge ourselves upon her, and wipe out our dishonour? And King Rumzan said, Needs must we bring her hither. So, without stay or delay, he wrote a letter to his grandmother, 
the aforesaid ancient woman, giving her to know therein that he had subdued the kingdoms of Damascus and Mosul and Iraq, and had broken up the host of the Muslims, and captured their princes, adding, I desire thee of all urgency to come to me, bringing with thee Queen Sophia, daughter of King Afridun, and whom thou wilt of the Nazarene chiefs, but no armies, for the country is quiet and holy under our hands. And when she read the letter, and recognised the handwriting of King Rumzan, she rejoiced with great joy, and forthright equipping herself and Queen Sophia, set out with their attendants, and journeyed, without stopping, till they drew near Baghdad. Then she foresent a messenger to acquaint the king of her arrival, whereupon quoth Rumzan, we should do well to don the habit of the Franks, and fare forth to meet the old woman, to the intent that we may be assured against her craft and perfidy. Whereto Kanmakan replied, Hearing is consenting. So they clad themselves in Frankish clothes, and, when Kuzia Fakan saw them, she exclaimed, By the truth of the Lord of Worship, did I not know you? I should take you to be indeed Franks. Then they sallied forth with a thousand horse, King Rumzan riding on before them, to meet the old woman. As soon as his eyes fell on hers, he dismounted and walked towards her, and she, recognising him, dismounted also, and embraced him. But he pressed her ribs with his hands, till he well-nigh broke them. Quoth she, What is this, O my son? But before she had done speaking, up came Kanmakan and Dandan, and the horsemen with them cried out at the women and slaves, and took them all prisoners. Then the two kings returned to Baghdad with their captives, and Rumzan bade them decorate the city, which they did for three days, at the end of which they brought out the old woman Shawahi, hight Zatadawahi, with a peaked red turban of palm leaves on her head, diademed with ass's dung, and proceeded by a herald proclaiming aloud, This is the reward of those who presume to lay hands on kings and the sons of kings. Then they crucified her on one of the gates of Baghdad, and when her companions saw what befell her, all embraced in a body the faith of al-Islam. As for Kanmakan, and his uncle Rumzan, and his aunt Nujata Zaman, and the wazir Dandan, they marvelled at the wonderful events that had betided them, and bade the scribes chronicle them in books, that those who came after might read. Then they all abode for the remainder of their days in the enjoyment of every solace and comfort of life, till there overtook them the destroyer of all delights, and the sunderer of all societies. And this is the whole that hath come down to us of the dealings of fortune with King Omar bin at Nu'uman, and his sons Sharkan, and Zawal Makan, and his son's son Kanmakan, and his daughter Nujat Azaman, and her daughter Kuzia Fakan. Thereupon quoth Shahryar to Shahrazad, I desire that thou tell somewhat about birds. And hearing this, Dunyazad said to her sister, I have never seen the Sultan light at heart all this while till the present night, and his pleasure giveth me hope that the issue for thee with him may be a happy issue. Then drowsiness overcame the Sultan, so he slept. 
and Shahrazad perceived the approach of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the one hundred and forty-sixth night, Shahrazad began to relate, in these words, the tale of The Birds and Beasts and the Carpenter. Quoth she, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that in times of yore, and in ages long gone before, a peacock abode with his wife on the seashore. Now the place was infested with lions and all manner wild beasts, with all it abounded in trees and streams. So cock and hen were wont to roost by night upon one of the trees, being in fear of the beasts, and went forth by day questing food. And they ceased not thus to do, till their fear increased on them, and they searched for some place wherein to dwell, other than their old dwelling-place. And in the course of their search, behold, they happened on an island abounding in streams and trees. So they alighted there, and ate of its fruits, and drank of its waters. But whilst they were thus engaged, lo, up came to them a duck in a state of extreme terror, and stayed not faring forwards, till she reached the tree whereon were perched the two peafowl, when she seemed reassured in mind. The peacock doubted not, but that she had some rare story, so he asked her of her case, and the cause of her concern, whereto she answered, I am sick for sorrow, and my horror of the son of Adam, so beware, and again I say beware, of the sons of Adam, rejoined the peacock. Fear not, now that thou hast won our protection, cried the duck, Alhamdulillah, glory to God, who hath done away my cark and care, by means of you being near, for indeed I come of friendship fain with you twain. And when she had ended her speech, the peacock's wife came down to her, and said, Well, come, and welcome, and fair cheer, no harm shall hurt thee. How can son of Adam come to us, and we in this isle which lieth the middlemost of the sea? From the land he cannot reach us, neither can he come against us from the water. So be of good cheer, and tell us what hath betided thee from the child of Adam. Answered the duck, Know then, O thou peahen, that of a truth I have dwelt all my life in this island, safely and peacefully, nor have I seen any disquieting thing till one night, as I was asleep, I sighted in my dream the semblance of a son of Adam, who talked with me, and I with him. Then I heard a voice say to me, O thou duck, beware of the son of Adam, and be not imposed on by his words, nor by that he may suggest to thee, for he aboundeth in wiles and guiles. So beware with all wariness of his perfidy, for again I say, he is crafty and right cunning, even as singeth of him the poet, He'll offer sweetmeats with his edged tongue, And fox thee with the foxy guile of fox. And know thou that the son of Adam circumventeth the fishes, And draweth them forth of the seas, And he shooteth the birds with a pellet of clay, And trappeth the elephant with his craft. None is safe from his mischief, And neither bird nor beast escapeth him. And on this wise have I told thee what I have heard concerning the son of Adam. So I awoke fearful and trembling, and from that hour to this my heart hath not known gladness, for dread of the son of Adam, 
lest he surprise me unawares by his wile or trap me in his snares by the time the end of the day overtook me my strength was grown weak and my spunk failed me so desiring to eat and drink i went forth walking troubled in spirit and with a heart ill at ease now when i reached yonder mountain i saw a tawny lion whelp at the door of a cave and sighting me he joyed in me with great joy for my colour pleased him and my gracious shape so he cried out to me saying draw nigh unto me i went up to him and he asked me what is thy name and what is thy nature answered i my name is duck and i am of the bird kind and i added but thou why tarriest thou in this place till this time answered the whelp my father the lion hath for many a day warned me against the son of adam and it came to pass this night that i saw in my sleep the semblance of a son of adam and he went on to tell me the like of that i have told you when i heard these words i said to him o lion i take asylum with thee that thou mayest kill the son of adam and be steadfast in resolve to his slaughter verily i fear him for myself with extreme fear and to my fright a fright is added for that thou also dreadest the son of adam albeit thou art sultan of savage beasts then i ceased not o my sister to bid the young lion beware of the son of adam and urge him to slay him till he rose of a sudden and at once from his stead and went out and he fared on and i after him and i noted him lashing flanks with tail we advanced in the same order till we came to a place where the roads forked and saw a cloud of dust arise which presently clearing away discovered below it a runaway naked ass now galloping and running at speed and now rolling in the dust when the lion saw the ass he cried out to him and he came up to him in all humility then said the lion harkee crack-brain brute what is thy kind and what be the cause of thy coming hither he replied o son of the sultan i am by kind an ass asinus cabalus and the cause of my coming to this place is that i am fleeing from the son of adam asked the lion whelp dost thou fear then that he will kill thee answered the ass not so o son of the sultan but i dread lest he put a cheat on me and mount upon me for he hath a thing called pack-saddle which he setteth on my back also a thing called girths which he bindeth about my belly and a thing called crupper which he putteth under my tail and a thing called bit which he placeth in my mouth and he fashioneth me a goad and goadeth me with it and maketh me run more than my strength if i stumble he curseth me and if i bray he revileth me and at last when i grow old and can no longer run he putteth on me a panel of wood and delivereth me to the water-carriers who load my back with water from the river in skins and other vessels such as jars and i cease not to wone in misery and abasement and fatigue till i die when they cast me on the rubbish-heaps to the dogs so what grief can surpass this grief and what calamities can be greater than these calamities now when i heard o peahen the ass's words my skin shuddered 
and became as goose-flesh at the son of Adam. And I said to the lion-whelp, O oh my lord, the ass of a verity hath excuse, and his words add terror to my terror. Then quoth the young lion to the ass, Whither goest thou? Quoth he, Before sunrise I espied the son of Adam afar off, and fled from him, and now I am minded to flee forth, and run without ceasing for the greatness of my fear of him, so haply I may find me a place of shelter from the perfidious son of Adam. Whilst the ass was thus discoursing with the lion-whelp, seeking the while to take leave of us and go away, behold, appeared to us another cloud of dust, whereat the ass brayed, and cried out, and looked hard, and let fly a loud fart. After a while the dust lifted, and discovered a black steed, finely dight, with a blaze on the forehead, like a dirham, round and bright, handsomely marked about the hoof with white, and with firm strong legs, pleasing to sight, and he neighed with a fright. This horse ceased not running, till he stood before the whelp, the son of the lion, who, when he saw him, marvelled and made much of him, and said, what is thy kind, O majestic wild beast? And wherefore fleest thou into this desert wide and vast? He replied, O lord of wild beasts, I am a steed of the horse kind, and the cause of my running is that I am fleeing from the son of Adam. The lion whelp wondered at the horse's speech, and cried to him, Speak not such words, for it is shame to thee, seeing that thou art tall and stout. And how cometh it that thou fearest the son of Adam, thou with thy bulk of body, and thy swiftness of running, when I, for all my littleness of stature, am resolved to encounter the son of Adam, and, rushing on him, eat his flesh, that I may allay the affright of this poor duck, and make her dwell in peace in her own place? But now thou hast come here, and thou hast wrung my heart with thy talk, and turned me back from what I had resolved to do, seeing that, for all thy bulk, the son of Adam hath mastered thee, and hath feared neither thy height nor thy breadth, albeit wert thou to kick him with one hoof, thou wouldst kill him, nor could he prevail against thee, but thou wouldst make him drink the cup of death. The horse laughed when he heard the whelp's words, and replied, Far, far is it from my power to overcome him, O prince! Let not my length and my breadth, nor yet my bulk, delude thee with respect to the son of Adam, for that he, of the excess of his guile and his wiles, fashioneth me a thing called hobble, and applieth to my four legs a pair of ropes made of palm fibres bound with felt, and gibbeteth me by the head to a high peg so that I, being tied up, remain standing, and can neither sit nor lie down. And when he is minded to ride me, he bindeth on his feet a thing of iron called stirrup, and layeth on my back another thing called saddle, which he fasteneth by two girths, passed under my armpits. Then he setteth in my mouth a thing of iron he calleth bit, to which he tieth a thing of leather called rein. And when he sitteth in the saddle of my back, he taketh the rein in his hand, and guideth me with it, goading my flanks the while with the shovel stirrups, till he maketh them bleed. So do not ask, O son of our Sultan, the hardships I endure from the son of Adam. 
and when I grow old and lean and can no longer run swiftly, he selleth me to the miller, who maketh me turn in the mill, and I cease not from turning night and day till I grow decrepit. Then he in turn vendeth me to the knacker, who cutteth my throat and flayeth off my hide, and plucketh out my tail, which he selleth to the sieve-maker, and he melteth down my fat for tallow-candles. When the young lion heard the horse's words, his rage and vexation redoubled, and he said, When didst thou leave the son of Adam? replied the horse. At midday, and he is upon my track. Whilst the whelp was thus conversing with the horse, lo, there rose a cloud of dust, and presently opening out, discovered beneath it a furious camel, gurgling and pawing the earth with his feet, and never ceasing so to do, till he came up with us. Now when the lion whelp saw how big and buxom he was, he took him to be the son of Adam, and was about to spring upon him, when I said to him, O oh, prince, of a truth, this is not the son of Adam this be a camel, and he seemeth to be fleeing from the son of Adam. As I was thus conversing on my sister, with the lion whelp, the camel came up and saluted him, whereupon he returned the greeting, and said, What bringeth thee hither? replied he, I came here fleeing from the son of Adam, quoth the whelp, and thou with thy huge frame and length and breadth, how cometh it that thou fearest the son of Adam, seeing that with one kick of thy foot thou wouldst kill him? Quoth the camel, O son of the Sultan, know that the son of Adam hath subtleties and wiles which none can withstand, nor can any prevail against him, save only death. For he putteth into my nostrils a twine of goat's hair he calleth nose-ring, and over my head a thing he calleth halter, then he delivereth me to the least of his little children, and the youngling draweth me along by the nose-ring, my size and strength notwithstanding. Then they load me with the heaviest of burdens, and go long journeys with me, and put me to hard labour through the hours of the night and the day. When I grow old and stricken in years, and disabled from working, my master keepeth me not with him, but selleth me to the knacker, who cutteth my throat, and vendeth my hide to the tanners, and my flesh to the cooks. So do not ask the hardships I suffer from the son of Adam. When didst thou leave the son of Adam? asked the young lion, and he answered, At sundown, and I suppose that coming to my place after my departure, and not finding me there, he is now in search of me. Wherefore let me go, O son of the Sultan, that I may flee into the wolds and the wilds. Said the whelp, Wait a while, O camel, till thou see how I will tear him, and give thee to eat of his flesh, whilst I crunch his bones and drink his blood. Replied the camel, O king's son, I fear for thee from the child of Adam, for he is wily and guileful. And he began repeating these verses. When the tyrant enters the liege's land, Nought remains for the lieges, but quick remove. Now, whilst the camel was speaking with the lion-whelp, behold, there rose a cloud of dust, which, after a time, opened and showed an old man, scanty of stature and lean of limb, and he bore on his shoulder a basket of carpenter's tools, and on his head a branch of a tree and eight planks. 
he led little children by the hand and came on at a trotting pace never stopping till he drew near the whelp when i saw him o oh my sister i fell down for excess of fear but the young lion rose and walked forward to meet the carpenter and when he came up to him the man smiled in his face and said to him with a glib tongue and in courtly terms o king who defendeth from harm and lord of the long arm allah prosper thine evening and thine endeavouring and increase thy valiancy and strengthen thee protect me from that which hath distressed me and with its mischief hath oppressed me for i have found no helper save only thyself and the carpenter stood in his presence weeping and wailing and complaining when the whelp heard his sighing and his crying he said i will succour thee from that thou fearest who hath done thee wrong and what art thou o wild beast whose like in my life i never saw nor ever espied one goodlier of form or more eloquent of tongue than thou what is thy case replied the man o lord of wild beasts as to myself i am a carpenter but as to hath wronged me verily he is a son of adam and by break of dawn after this coming night he will be with thee in this place when the lion whelp heard these words of the carpenter the light was changed to night before his sight and he snorted and roared with ire and his eyes cast forth sparks of fire then he cried out saying by allah i will assuredly watch through this coming night till dawn nor will i return to my father till i have won my will then he returned to the carpenter and asked of a truth i see thou art short of step and i would not hurt thy feelings for that i am generous of heart yet do i deem thee unable to keep pace with the wild beasts tell me then whither thou goest answered the carpenter know that i am on my way to thy father's wazir the lynx for when he heard that the son of adam had set foot in this country he feared greatly for himself and sent one of the wild beasts on a message for me to make him a house wherein he should dwell that it might shelter him and fend off his enemy from him so not one of the sons of adam should come at him accordingly i took up these planks and set forth to find him now when the young lion heard these words he envied the lynx and said to the carpenter by my life there is no help for it but thou make me a house with these planks ere thou make one for sir lynx when thou hast done my work go to him and make him whatso he wisheth the carpenter replied o lord of wild beasts i cannot make thee aught till i have made the lynx what he desireth then will i return to thy service and build thee a house as a fort to ward thee from thy foe exclaimed the lion whelp by allah i will not let thee leave this place till thou build me a house of planks so saying he made for the carpenter and sprang upon him thinking to jest with him and cuffed him with his paw knocking the basket off his shoulder and threw him down in a fainting fit whereupon the young lion laughed at him and said woe to thee o carpenter of a truth thou art feeble and hast no force so it is excusable in thee to fear the son of adam now when the carpenter fell on his back he waxed exceeding wroth but he dissembled his wrath for fear of the whelp and sat up and smiled in his face saying well i will make for thee the house 
With this he took the planks he had brought, and nailed together the house, which he made in the form of a chest, after the measure of the young lion. And he left the door open, for he had cut in the box a large aperture, to which he made a stout cover, and bored many holes therein. Then he took out some newly wrought nails and a hammer, and said to the young lion, Enter the house through this opening, that I may fit it to thy measure. Thereat the whelp rejoiced, and went up to the opening, but saw that it was straight. And the carpenter said to him, Enter and crouch down on thy legs and arms. So the whelp did thus, and entered the chest, but his tail remained outside. Then he would have drawn back and come out, but the carpenter said to him, Wait patiently a while, till I see if there be room for thy tail with thee. The young lion did as he was bid, when the carpenter twisted up his tail, and stuffing it into the chest, whipped the lid on to the opening, and nailed it down. Whereat the whelp cried out, and said, O oh, carpenter, what is this narrow house thou hast made me? Let me out, sirrah. But the carpenter answered, Far be it, far be it from thy thought. Repentance for past avails naught, and indeed of this place thou shalt not come out. He then laughed, and resumed, Verily thou art fallen into the trap, and from thy duress there is no escape, O vilest of wild beasts. Rejoined the whelp, O oh, my brother, what manner of words are these thou addressest to me? The carpenter replied, No, O dog of the desert, that thou hast fallen into that which thou fearedst. Fate hath upset thee, nor shall caution set thee up. When the whelp heard these words, O my sister, he knew that this was indeed the very son of Adam, against whom he had been warned by his sire in waking state, and by the mysterious voice in sleeping while. And I also was certified that this was indeed he, without doubt, wherefore great fear of him for myself seized me, and I withdrew a little apart from him, and waited to see what he would do with the young lion. Then I saw, O oh my sister, the son of Adam, dig a pit in that place hard by the chest which held the whelp, and throwing the box into the hole, heap dry wood upon it, and burn the young lion with fire. At this sight, O oh sister mine, my fear of the son of Adam redoubled, and in my fright I have been these two days fleeing from him. But when the peahen heard from the duck this story, and Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. End of section 13 of The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 3